1: Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions for your life. And I thank you for listening. I hope you'll subscribe if you like what you hear. And in today's episode, I'm going to tell you why Godiva closing all its stores in the U.S. serves as an actual warning for your wallet. And it's not about chocolate. But first, I want to talk about something many people have been doing in the last year, and that's moving. And there's new data from U-Haul where people are moving from and to, what places people are heavily moving uh, to in the United States. And for the first time ever, Tennessee is the state that is having the largest in-migration, followed by Texas, Florida. And you think about Texas, Tennessee, and Florida, what do the three of them have in common? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone want to guess? No state income tax. That is right, Joel Larsgard. And you would think that that explains why those three states would be the ones having the most in migration. But then you look at the other states that people are moving into very heavily, and it has nothing to do with having no state income tax. Ohio is seeing the fourth largest in migration in the country. Now think about that. That's what used to be called the Rust Belt, but Ohio has a number of things going on, economic conditions that are leading people to move into the state of ohio arizona colorado now what actually is in common with texas florida and arizona wonderful warm weather and in terms of uh colorado colorado's just in colorado has been in for so long a lot of
2: sunshine though what's that they have a lot of sunshine. They
1: do have a lot of sunshine. They got those beautiful mountains. Uh, it is a recreation mecca. And, you know, traditionally Colorado has, in survey after survey, has had the most fit people in the United States. Now, where are people not moving to? Number one in uh, low migration or out migration, California. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, it's because of taxes in California. And if you're rich, California kills you with tax. But do you know that, according to research done by Kiplinger's, California actually doesn't have high tax burdens for the typical taxpayer, that they are actually very moderate taxes. So it's not all tax. You know what it is generally with the states that people are out migrating from? Housing cost, state after state that people are doing out-migration from, it's the cost of what it is to put a roof over your head, either as a renter or a homeowner, is the key factor that is making it undesirable to live in a lot of places. And so there are a lot of factors involved in where people locate, taxes being one of them, And obviously, one, two, and three, Tennessee, Texas, and Florida, no state income tax in any of them. But Texas overall does not necessarily have a low tax burden, has extremely high property taxes because the money's got to come from somewhere. Florida benefits from all the tourist dollars that subsidize the operation of government in the state of Florida. And so that's been a real booster for them. Tennessee has very high sales taxes, but then in turn, no income tax. So the no income tax, though, is very, very attractive as a feature. And uh, you might be surprised if you look at this list, and we'll have a link for you on the podcast notes where you can link to the full list where various states rank, that would not necessarily be where you would expect. But a lot of the in-migration that is happening, like in Texas, the population overwhelmingly is going to the big four. Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston. And that has been the general trend. Tennessee, Nashville is getting the big population in migration And in state after state, people are being attracted to pleasant environments to live in and affordable housing and jobs that are concentrated in big urban metro areas. Um, One thing that comes with a move, be very careful when you hire a mover. Yet another report just came out in the LA Times about the horrific problems people are having with movers there are a lot of uh... mob run moving organizations this is something who knew that organized crime would so heavily infest the moving industry but for the last forty years the moving industry has had a big problem with organized crime there are legitimate players in it that do not cheat you that do not steal your possessions You have to be very careful in hiring a mover, how you get a quote, uh, where you find a mover. And one place you should go to is moving.org and look at a pro mover, which are the movers that have agreed to live by a code of ethics, a procedure for quotes, and how to handle disputes if there are problems during or after a move. It's time for your questions for me that you post at clark.com slash ask. And Krista, what you got for me?
2: Joanne in Virginia says, hello, Clark and team. Thank you for all of your hard work helping us. I'm writing today because I have lost my W-2. I'm just not sure if I misplaced it at home or dropped it after picking it up at work. I'm concerned because all of my information is listed on the form. My credit is frozen. What else should I do?
1: The greatest risk from that W-2 is that, uh, and this is so obscure that it would happen if you just dropped a W-2 on the ground, is that someone who, with a crime of opportunity, knew how to file a tax return as if they were you, pretending to be you, and stole a refund from you. So that is, there are people who do tax ID theft, but just losing your W-2 is not likely to lead to that your credits frozen which eliminates the biggest concern i'd have so just get another copy of your w-2 from your employer and i feel confident that everything's going to be a-okay for you joel
0: clark gene in california says we have a cd that's nearing maturity it's with a credit union in a city where we used to live 350 miles away We do not want to cash in the CD at this time, but we would prefer to transfer it to a bank or a credit union in the area where we live now. Can we do this without getting a tax hit for the entire account value?
1: So the tax hit is only on the interest you earned, and that happens anyway. So there's no problem with you uh, getting this money sent to you by the credit union and putting it into a, a new... Uh, online savings account or cd or whatever it is you want to do that has no tax consequence or effect for you uh, once that cd that you've had matures and i'm assuming joel from the way the question was worded that they are at the maturity point for that cd
0: that's right and they're looking to
1: yeah put so it there, into another there's one. no problem at all with that krista
2: this is from Barbara in Florida. I just received my replacement visa card that fraud had occurred on and have not activated it yet. I'm also carrying another credit card that was recently renewed, but I have not activated that either. Is this a bad thing? Should I do this immediately?
1: You want to you go ahead and activate these cards so that they, uh, the issuers don't decide, hey, this person's not using these cards. Uh, we're pairing back our our credit card risk and so we're going to close these accounts so you want to go ahead and activate them and have them available and please use your cards at least occasionally that you have so that you're not somebody who the credit card company the bank decides you know this person's surplus we're getting rid of them you don't want to lose your available credit joel
0: Clark Todd in Washington says, I recently refinanced my home to a 15-year loan at 2.75%. During the process, the mortgage company made an error, and rather making rather than making the loan for $270,000, they did it for $170,000. Uh, it appears that after months of stress and threatening a lawsuit that uh, that it's going to stand and I'll save $100,000 on this loan. Would it be pest for me to pay off that mortgage as early as possible and increase my contributions to my 401k or pay off the a new car loan that I got as early as possible?
1: Wait, 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 wait. My head's about to explode. <laughs> So this was a refi,
0: right? Yeah, a refi. And apparently Todd is going to have $100,000 less an outstanding mortgage balance. Todd, how could that
1: happen? Because the new lender had to pay off the old lender. So this is something that lawyers refer to as unjust enrichment, that you have received an $100,000 benefit you're not entitled to. I'm just completely befuddled that nobody has figured out how to make this right with you not getting $100,000. You didn't win a lottery here. This is just bonkers. Um, wow. I, I don't even know what to say because I can't imagine that that is the end of the story, that you just got an $100,000 gift. But if we're going on that assumption and you have a loan at 2.75%, and you owe 170 dollars on it, you were prepared to pay what it would have been if it was a $270,000 balance. Uh, You could pay additional principal every month towards it using what you would have paid in your original uh, expected payment and greatly reduce that debt. But if you have any other debts that carry a higher rate of interest, they would be a higher priority. If you're not funding a Roth IRA that would be a higher priority because over time you're going to earn more than 2.75% on a Roth IRA than what you're going to save in interest paying it towards the balance of that mortgage. So I would say that uh, there are other priorities that would potentially come first before you would prepay principal on a 2.75% mortgage. And from news of the weird... That is the weirdest mortgage
2: situation I think I've ever heard. Wow. Krista. (laughs) Um, Tom in Florida says, we have been loathed to mail in passports for renewal due to concerns with COVID governmental shutdowns or slowdowns. Should we be concerned?
1: Well, if you're not traveling anytime soon and it's time to go ahead and renew your passport, it doesn't matter if they slow walk renewing your passport and that way you go ahead and get it done at regular prices instead of later saying, Hey, it's, it's okay to travel now. We need a passport tomorrow. And then you have to pay all those extra fees. So I would go ahead and let them slow walk your renewal at regular rates. And I tried. I've tr- floated two trial balloons with my wife, Lane, about going ahead and booking travel for later this year. And I got shut down cold. Both times, psychologically, even though she almost certainly will have her, both her vaccine shots by, who knows, April, May, based on what the feds are saying, uh, she's not psychologically ready to book any travel. And it's killing me. Hey, we got stuff for you coming straight ahead that we're going to talk about, including, what are we going to talk about, Crystal? Let me see. We're going to talk about chocolate. That's right. I forgot. We're going to talk about Godiva and why it's going to be hard for you to just walk down the street and buy a Godiva chocolate and why in the world that would matter to you if you don't buy chocolate and you don't eat Godiva. Another
2: day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Great to have you here on the podcast and I don't know if you know this about me, I have a sweet tooth. So anytime I hear about Uh, anybody who is a candy purveyor closing their doors well I make note of it I'm not a big chocoholic person though and so I wasn't particularly crushed when Godiva announced that it was closing its retail stores but there's a lot in this for you that I want you to think about there are retailers closing locations quietly or noisily Small players, big players, and in between. And we in the United States, something I've talked about for the last 15 years is how overstored we are. And in spite of us being overstored, people kept opening stores again and again and again till it seemed like we had shopping centers coming out of our ears. And if it seemed like that, it really is true. You know, we have far more retail square footage in the United States than any other country so let me tell you the numbers i saw a forbes calculation we have basically 24 square feet of retail space in the united states for every living human being in the united states so think about that compared to the rest of the world it's like five times what you'd find in europe about 10 times what you'd find in much of the rest of the world So we have been massively overstored, squared. I mean, we just got way too much. And so online sales are blamed for everything or credited for everything. Online sales now are somewhere upper teens in the United States, meaning most retail still is um, in traditional bricks-and-mortar stores. Even if people place the order online for pickup or whatever it's still traditional stores so there's more going on here than just a pivot to online shopping people are um not it's not they're on shopping strike it's just there's too many places to shop and so one chain after another after another we know of and then uh small local places one after another that we may not know of they're closing their doors and a lot of people received gift cards at Christmas time for various retailers. Why those retailers aren't going to make it to spring. Use those gift cards. Use them before the retailer ceases to exist. You know, all of us get gift cards as gifts. And you know, I talked last year, um, actually a year and a half ago, not quite, leading into Christmas season 2019. And I talked about where we were cleaning up some cabinets and we found these gift cards for various retailers and restaurants. And I was so embarrassed that I had five gift cards for different places that had gone out of business. Five that had gone unused. So do what I say Not what I failed to do myself and use those gift cards. Now, when I make a mistake like that, I have logical consequences for myself. And generally, I don't eat for a few days or something like that to make up for it. Not really. But I just want you to know (laughs) that retail and obviously the restaurant business as well, very unstable in the United States and gift cards are a rapidly depreciating asset that can depreciate to being worthless before you know it it's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com ask and joel
0: yeah clark let's get into some questions david in kentucky says clark i don't want to sound too morbid but when you die with an outstanding auto loan what happens I was told by a car dealer that they go after the next of kin for the money that's owed. I don't believe that personally, but I think at the time he was trying to persuade me to lease an automobile. Thanks for all you do.
1: Okay, so leasing does not release the obligation either. So somebody telling you, oh, you don't want to have a loan outstanding because what happens if you die suddenly? Your your family is going to be stuck with this and then tell you, so that's why you should lease when it can actually be worse in a lease in that situation. So here's how this plays. So first, I'm glad you were able to post the question because it means you're still with us. Second, I hope you live a good long time. But third, if you did pass away while there was an outstanding auto loan or lease, what happens is it becomes not a direct obligation of a family member. What happens instead is if you die with a will, your executor, or if you die without a will, and the court appoints an administrator, is the one who's responsible for figuring out what you have and what you owe. And there are certain procedures, depending on the state, with money that can be paid out to, like, a surviving spouse, or something like that, that comes before any debts. an estate would have and then after that the responsibility of the executor is to settle up debts that an estate has and then the money that's left after that pay to the heirs but that vehicle if there's no assets to be divvied up that vehicle loan or lease does not pass as an obligation to any family member and so you don't have to worry about that and the car dealer Uh, took advantage of you by creating that very dark scenario that you would be stuck with it after, or your family would be stuck with it after you were to pass away. Krista?
2: Well, speaking of stuck with it, this is from David in Ohio. I'm having a problem canceling my home security account. I called them last May to cancel my service soon after my control panel was dark. So I assumed the account was closed. Then in January of this year, my control box, it's this month, my control box came back on. The company said that they never received the DocuSign form, which they said they emailed to me. I never saw the email. They have now sent me another DocuSign email. My problem is if I sign now, I may be jeopardizing my claim that my service should have been stopped in May. On top of this, my account was on autopay and I didn't notice until now. I contacted my credit card company and had them dispute the charges." Talking with a customer to a service, all they're offering is to send me a new DocuSign form and no recognition of the past fees sent while my control box was blank. Do you have any recommendations?
1: Okay, <laughs> what in the world? Okay, so the burglar alarm industry continues to not make it clear with a lot of players which side of the law they're on. It's an industry that has had very honest, legitimate people in it and a lot of dirty, dirty, rotten scoundrels. I think about over the years how many complaints and problems we've had with the burglar alarm industry. Rule number one, never, 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 not ever sign a contract for monitoring. Let me repeat that. When should you never do it? Never, 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 not ever. Um, there are a lot of people in it who just play dirty pool. Now, as for you not having had the service for those months and they were continuing to bill you, is you very readily acknowledge that's on you that you didn't notice they were still charging you. So what I think would be reasonable is that they give you the next seven months free of service since they charged you for something you weren't getting, and then you terminate it at the end of those seven months because you paid for seven months of service you did not get, and that is unacceptable. Now, as far as the burglar alarm company, in your state there may be a licensing board for burglar alarm companies. In many cases they have to have a license and there's a disciplinary board. I would check to see in your state if they do have to be registered and licensed, and if they do, that you file a complaint requesting assistance. Nobody ever does this, and it may in fact get you a reasonable resolution with the burglar alarm company. Otherwise, this is just an unfortunate circumstance with an industry that pretends they're the good guys, but frequently are nothing but dirty, rotten scoundrels, as I referred to them. Am I trying to get it clear that you should be very careful any time you ever sign up with a burglar arm company? And by the way, this gives me an opportunity to say again, we have a video at Clark.com of me with, uh, very upsetting to Christa. uh was it you who called my Hair a lot of times in the summer. Wild man, magoo. magoo
2: no, but something
1: hair. What, how do you say that phrase? I forgot
2: I don't know, wild but man, whatever. I did complain about the hair. When did I complain that about video. the hair.
1: But I installed my own self-installed burglar alarm, and it's been great. And the monthly monitoring is eight dollars a month, and it's worked out just fine. You don't have to have a professional burglar alarm company anymore because there are all these very simple to install systems like uh joel installed simply safe eight years ago or whatever that was quite a while a couple of times and move the system
0: yeah i don't i don't have it anymore i don't use any um home security monitoring anymore but should we give your
1: home address so (laughs) the burglars (laughs) know
0: where to go hit let's do that no but it worked great when i set it up and it was super easy to set up
1: and so me. do you feel that safe in your neighborhood now, Joel, that you don't have a burglar alarm anymore?
0: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Just, I think to, my wife says that I am not safety conscious enough. So maybe that's just a me problem and not uh, how safe my neighborhood is. But my neighborhood feels pretty safe.
1: Okay, Joel, you've been married a good long while, but I'm going to give you some marital advice. Okay. Christa, you pipe in if you wish. If your wife has said she doesn't feel safe, Put in one of these self-install burglar alarms for her.
0: All right. So you know what we've got? We've actually got these little things that you stick to the door and it's battery powered and it's it makes like a really loud noise if like we, we turn it on at night when we go to bed. So if someone were to try to breach the door, then we would hear it if it came up and open if it's not supposed to be open. And that's kind of where we settled at. No monitoring. It would wake us up. But yeah, you're right. It's gotten so cheap. Maybe we Maybe I should jump on that.
1: Okay, I, did I do a good job with the guilt thing?
0: <laughs> you did a great job. My wife thanks you. Krista, you're just smiling through all
2: No, this. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think whatever uh, Emily would like, she should have. That's all I'll say. Agreed. Okay, Joel, you right. said it. Let's <laughs> see if you actually mean it.
0: All right, I'll let you know.
2: <laughs>
1: I want to tell you that we love so much having you as part of our day on our podcast. And if you have found your way here, we'd love for you to subscribe, um, review us if you'd like, and know that if you need more advice, we provide free off-the-show advice, something we've done since 1993, and you can call uh, Monday through Thursday, the phone number to call for free off-the-show advice, 470-284. 7137 you can see more info about hours and all the particulars at clark.com/cac for consumer action center